farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. Hello and a happy new year from all of us at the farming program. Today we take a bit of a look back at a challenging year in farming and food production. Prices rising, shortages of people, food security under threat, but at least for the most part it was a really good harvest. More on that with Sean Sparling in a moment. First, let's see how the current sugar beet campaign is going with a couple of months to go. Firstly, British Sugar's Tessa Seymour. How's it been for you? Yeah, we're doing really well. So Newark Factory started on the 20th of September um, and we're probably due to close now around the second week of March. We've had a, a significant investment in the factory over the summer months. So I'm really pleased to report that Newark has been uh, performing really well this year. Now, we know that the grain harvest for 2022 was pretty good. Is it the same for beet? So beet nationally has been very varied, but I'm really pleased to report that the beet around Newark has been um, actually quite good. So yields in this area have been slightly above the five-year average adjusted yield. So that's really good for us. Um, but not surprisingly, we've had some very varied results um, from growers, especially across East Anglia, where we've, they've been worse affected by drought and beet moss. OK, so the hot summer took its toll, did it? Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. But yeah, Newark um, area um, beet tends to be doing a lot better than, than the rest of East Anglia. Okie dokie. And how about sugar content? We haven't got the results for that yet. At the moment, it's still quite varied. It started off quite strong. Um, with a bit of rain that always has a bit of a decrease. Then we've had the frost and this kind of period over Christmas, we always get a bit of a decrease. But hopefully we'll be able to give everyone an update on the sugar content in a couple of weeks' time. Okie dokie. And things like dirt tear? Yeah, again, dirt tear's been pretty good. We, I mean, it's been ideal harvesting conditions. Um, it's getting wetter now, so yes, we're starting to see a slight increase in dirt tear, but nothing terrible. The, um, the hauliers and harvesters have been doing a fantastic job getting the beet up and, and to us as quickly as possible, especially while you know we are dealing with some beet that have been affected by frost. Um, they've been incredibly supportive um, and got as much beet as we can into the factory. And from a farmer's point of view, how's it gone for Lincolnshire beet producer Andrew Ward? Well, we've had a, a good start, really, to our sugar beet campaign. All our sugar beet that we've had up at the minute has been on heavy land. And we had three fields in the factory up to date. The first field was lifted at the end of, uh, sorry, at the end of September. That did around 100 tonnes a hectare. The last two fields were lifted mid-October and uh, early November, and they've both done 109 tonnes a hectare, which is phenomenal yields for the weather we've been having. And I must say, it's our best yields to date at the minute. Excellent. What about sugar content? Sugar content has uh, has dropped a lot. We started off at about 17.8, which I think at the time was a percent above the factory average. Uh, but now, the last sugar beet went in the factory this last week, and we're down to just over 16 or 16 and a half in some cases. A bit of a concern with the huge drop, but I think it's down to the weather we've had recently. Talking about the weather, the, the wet weather and the frost and so on can't have helped in terms of your, your sugar and your yield and the dirt tear. No, it, it hasn't, Steve. You're quite right. And, and we've lifted our worst land first. That's what we do when we can try and get it up when the conditions are better. But the rain came. Um, a bit early and, and it beat us to it in November. Our soils generally early on were down to sort of 2 and 4%, which is, is low. But then some of the last soil tears we've had from this last week have been up 7 and 13%. So the soil is a concern. And of course, yield-wise, we've got our light land sugar beet left to get out the ground. 
But because of the drought in the summer, that did suffer. And if that ends up doing 70 or 75 tonnes a hectare, I think we're going to have to be happy with that. So just a couple of months to go in the campaign. We'll do a more detailed review when all is gathered in. Harvest 2022 was, for the most part, pretty good. Our crop doctor, Sean Sparling, takes time out of his holiday to look back at that hot summer and more. Morning, Sean, and a happy new year to you. Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. Happy new year to you too. And of course, to all of our listeners or those who've managed to drag themselves out of bed or perhaps you haven't even been to bed yet because I can hear the headaches from here. There are so many sore heads across the county. I'm actually getting feedback down the line. So a good night was clearly had by all. Well, good on you for making the most of what's left of this Christmas break. A few more days of leftover turkey, jellied fruits, Ferrero Rocher in the Sparling House, but if that's as bad as 2023 gets, I'm happy with that. So, heck of a year really in every respect then, 2022. The hottest temperatures we've ever had, plenty of days over 30, several over 40. Quite extraordinary. And one of the biggest harvests that many people have had, and that's despite cutting back on nitrogen, which as we all know, trebled in price. So, I suppose looking back, It was almost a perfect year of weather in some respect. The people who had the good harvest got the rain just when they needed it. And for wheat, certainly, it was very noticeable in the final yields and quality where those showers missed when they were required. In most cases, though, I think the rain came when it was needed and winter wheat quality and yield absolutely sky high. Now, if you remember what happened through 2022, the weather played the biggest part, really. We had a very cold, dry January, 25 frost below zero out of the 31 and only 19 mil of rain. And that held soil temperatures below four degrees. So things were just on tick over and putting up with those conditions. Then we got February, much wetter month, 73 millimetres of rain at home. But 17 out of the 28 days of February last year in double figures. And only a sprinkling of frost meant that the soil temperatures rose above five degrees pretty much all month. So therefore, all of the crops out there that were already in the ground perked up and set off. Then we got March, just over an inch of rain, 26.3 mil for me. But again, a warm month, temperatures in the mid to late teens and the early 20s from about the 9th onwards, my dad's birthday. And that meant that soil temperatures climbed very quickly. So these crops got a really good early start. Then after all of that good March, we had a dryish April, so plenty of spring drilling. The cereals, spring cereals, the sugar beet, the beans, peas, all went in really well and they did get in well and we had a similarly warm and importantly dry April so just eight millimeters of rain through April but once again temperatures in the high teens to low 20s so the soil temperatures got up into double figures pretty much by the middle of the month and away we went a warm hot mid-month May onwards so a constant drip of rain and drop of rain here and there gentle rain just 44 mil in total but apart from two days where it got up into double figures of rain on the 23rd and the 31st there was just enough as a constant to keep things interesting keep the crops moving and keep them getting access and moisture around the root zone so they could access that nutrition and for once that May was followed by a real flaming June because from the 7th of June onwards we saw temperatures in the mid to high 20s and virtually dry from the 9th onwards as we went then into July. And July, historically, of course, the month where good wheat yields need sunshine and they need warmth, but they desperately need sunshine to ripen them and finish them. And we got that in spades. 21 mil of rain in July, and that fell mostly in the last few days of July. But the rest of July was hot, dry and sunny, with 22 days over 27 degrees C, seven of those over 35 and two of those over 40. 
perfect sunshiny warm weather as it turned out particularly for winter wheat now we were worried it had been a bit too dry and a bit too hot but the combines told a different story in august and you know the rape and the winter barleys which were combined in july were hinting at those good yields and that quality but i really don't recall higher yields or higher specific weights and thanks to that just enough rain for grain fill and that almost unbroken sunshine throughout july and the first half of august so we got a big yielding high quality and most importantly considering the ridiculous increases in fuel costs a dry harvest now not everybody got those massive yields of course and i think the soil type organic matter content so moisture holding capacity and fundamentally if you managed to get those showers when they were needed if you didn't then there was disappointment but generally it was a very acceptable harvest really were there any areas sean that didn't have it so good second week struggled some of the spring crops struggled particularly spring wheat where they went in late and they stayed dry but very variable then the spring crops but and for the same reasons as i've just given really for the winter crops that were disappointing but despite cutting back on the extortionately priced nitrogen by around 40 kilos or so in winter wheat and 20 to 30 kilos in the spring crops on average those yields held up and that's probably indication of a perfect season for the mineralization and the release of that soil organic nitrogen which filled that gap now the spring crops as i say more variable but spring barley for me was off the chart good sugar beet continues to impress in root yield and that was despite some earlier low sugar issues and that was thanks in part to the late regrowth that we saw once the rain did come at the end of july and into the end of august but there wasn't thankfully the endemic level of virus that we were expecting in the non-neonicotinoid treated sugar beet a single well-timed tapiki at the right time when we started to find them at threshold that saw to that and it will probably go down as a very good sugar beet year i think there are more issues with boron manganese magnesium and other trace elements than we've seen for a few years thanks to that hot dry weather and where potassium or sodium levels were compromised, that showed up too in these crops, along, of course, with the new tropical beet pest, beet moth, which, you know, we've never seen before. Hopefully not something we're going to see everywhere every year. Personally, I didn't see any, but I know plenty of people who did. Skin finish on potatoes, a bit variable too, but generally speaking, a very good harvest. 2022 harvest now, though, a memory. Great prices, which had to be great prices, of course, to offset some of the effects of the tripling of nitrogen costs, massive increases in input costs, fuel costs, diesel, electricity, gas prices quadrupling, machinery costs doubling and trebling, and actually getting any spare parts for repairs was an issue this year and is getting more so. And that's proving to be a quest only Indiana Jones is going to be able to succeed in. And we start to see what I fear may be the shape of things to come. It's made us all respect and appreciate the machinery and the equipment that we have and to try and treat what we have with perhaps a little more gentleness and respect than when the spares were more plentiful and freely available. So make do and mend is now the mantra of the 2022 moving into 2023 harvest so 
autumn came then um, and thoughts turned back to drilling for Harvest 2023. But with one small issue, and from my point of view, it was a bigger issue. And for most agronomists, I would think they all feel the same way as me. And that is a dry, warm run from the middle of August to about the 19th of October. And that meant that despite blackgrass not flushing in these stale seedbeds and not therefore getting the old one-two from the glyphosate, most of the bad blackgrass fields were already drilled well before the middle of October and well before any of that black grass has chitted. Now that was a real test for the new kid on the block, Synmethylin or Luximo, and to a lesser extent, Aclonifen. But the black grass did eventually come through. Now where, in some cases, the older chemistry was the preferred choice of preem, so the Flufenoset Pendimethylin type materials or the Flufenoset DFF type materials, that black grass came with a vengeance after that application of preem. Now the results of all of that is yet to be realised. But the good news is really that these new actives, particularly synmethylene, does seem to be living up to the hype, he said, as he vigorously and frantically touched every bit of wood within his reach. Oilseed rape establishment, variable too. Was it right this year just to crack on regardless of the hot dry seed beds in early August? Some would say absolutely it was. I have plenty who did that and it's up to me knees. But I also have just as many who did that and we've had to re-drill because it was so dry and it started and stopped and the flea beetle took it and we're staring at a second crop of backward oilseed rape that may not survive Christmas. So I don't think there was a right and a wrong just good or bad luck. Now, much more flea beetle damage, of course, this year. Voracious adult flea beetle feeding, decimating some crops, ignoring others as close as the next door field. It just, it beggars belief sometimes. I scratch my head and I, I sometimes wonder whether I'll ever get the hang of this job. But with more larvae than we've seen since 2019-20, uh, an awful lot now is going to depend upon what kind of winter and how spring-like the spring is and how early it starts as to whether it's a let-off or a disaster and only time will tell and only mother nature can help us now as far as cabbage stem flea beetle larvae go so we go into 2023 with pretty much everything we wanted drilling drilled all the drillings in the ground pretty much everything that we put in still there and some very very good looking crops out there with plenty of potential for bumper crops once again in the 2023 harvest so we live to fight again then we pray for those who are actually fighting for their lives of course and we realize just how little we have to worry about sometimes and we thank god for all that we have and we must never forget that there but for the grace of god go we so i think things look very good for us here god bless our farmers and let's see what the next 12 months bring see you in a couple of weeks sean thanks as ever the farming program with Araquit steel stockholders with Embrook industrial estate grantham for all your steel needs call their friendly experts as we move into a new year we always ask ourselves will it be as challenging as the one just ending or will things start to improve lincolnshire agricultural chaplain alan robson 2022 did have its challenges didn't it yes i mean as we begin this new year there are challenges for the chicken and egg producers uh, under avian flu lockdown. To be fair, the arable sector had a really good harvest, you know, the best drying, some cracking yields, but, you know, nevertheless challenges in the horticultural and fruit sector where energy prices and um, labour supply, the pig sector and getting cost of production is still the ongoing challenge going forward into this year. 
let's hope DEFRA will get their heads around what our food system really means and how important it is to everybody in our country and, and, and across the economy. The economy cannot work without a healthy food system. No, absolutely. And unfortunately, the price increases or the input price increases we've seen this year are probably only going to feed through to retail prices in the coming year, aren't they? Yeah, and everybody's going to be affected. I mean, the whole public sector procurement is going to be affected. It'll cost more for school meals. It'll cost more for you know, food in prison, food in hospitals. And all of these have a knock-on impact, of course, for you and me, just doing our weekly shop. Yep, challenges ahead, and um, the government will have to respond. Uh, I really long for a, a minister in the heart of cabinet for food security and food resilience and food sustainability. It is such a vital area. It would be nice, as you say, it's so important to to everybody, not just those in agriculture. It's been a busy year and a, a challenging year again for the chaplaincy and for Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, hasn't it? Um, whenever there's increasing pressure, then it puts pressure on relationships. And, and of course, there's the... You know, the expected and the unexpected uh, you know, deaths of um, key people in our industry. You know, and uh, many in the Lincoln Red sector will remember the uh, amazing man, Headley Needler, who got to 104. He, he didn't ever run out of energy. He kept a, a focus on his business even up to the last week of his life. You know, extraordinary people in our industry who... Uh, uh, somehow find the energy uh, to keep going. But we remember uh, also those who's lost loved ones in this past year and uh, uh, are still struggling into the new year. But we give thanks for all the great characters in our industry who put the food on our table. I hope this year will be full of positivity and prosperity and good health. And I really do wish all the farming food sector uh, the very best New Year. Thank you as ever, Alan. That's Lincolnshire Agricultural Chaplain Alan Robson. One thing we don't often consider is the price of steel. Yet it can, like so many input costs, have a knock-on effect on the business of farming and the end price of what we produce. Just before Christmas, I called in on farming programme sponsors Araquip Steel Stockholders and met MD Carl Gilbert. Yeah, it's been a testing year, obviously, with steel prices. Um, they've been fluctuating quite a lot. It's been a tough year trading, but it's it's kept us busy and hopefully that will continue into next year but uh, yeah it's been very good with the farmers and the agricultural sector certainly and uh, really grateful for their support. And what's the majority of the steel that you hold used for because you mainly deal with the agricultural sector don't you? Yes mainly predominantly for making barriers, farm sheds, concreting, crew yards, making trailers, Uh, certainly we're dealing mainly with farmers but agricultural dealers as well even down to the local blacksmiths in the uh, in the area and it's been a difficult time we know for so many people this last year inflation prices and so on is it the same with the steel industry have prices been affected the same with steel as everywhere else yeah at the start of the year prices went up probably four or five hundred pounds a ton in sort of like six to eight weeks um they have relaxed a little bit but they're still very high which obviously made it a difficult year for trading but ultimately 
the agricultural sector still needs steel for repairs uh, and to maintain the farm. So, um, you know, we do our best we can with the prices and that's what's keeping us busy at the moment. So you will have been affected by the likes of COVID, the war in Ukraine and so on? Oh, definitely, yes. Uh, Brexit's been had a big impact on the business, obviously COVID and uh, the war in Ukraine, which has pushed the prices up um, to levels I've never known before. But uh, I don't know what the future holds on that, but certainly uh, it's been an interesting year. I was going to say, do a bit of crystal ball gazing. Any Any thoughts for where we head in terms of the industry and the sector and prices and so on for 2023? I'd like to think they'll remain quite stable for the first quarter of the year, but after that, with energy prices being so high, I can sort of like see probably going into April, May, prices will go up inevitably. I'm just hoping they don't go up too much and I hope they relax further on in the year, but certainly after Christmas, they'll still remain pretty much the same as what they are at the moment. How much steel do you actually hold? I mean, you're steel stockholders, so you hold a stock of steel. How much have we got in the yard out there? We keep between 1,500 and 2,000 tonnes in stock at any one time in our yard, um, which we turn around quite quickly. And then obviously we hold some at the mills, so we can hold up to 3,000 tonnes at any one time. So you can deal with pretty much any inquiry that comes your way? I'd like to think so. Uh, Like I say, this year it's been a busy year for us and um, we've uh, added two more additional lorries to the fleet this year just to keep up with demand. So hopefully that'll continue as well. Well, let's hope it carries on that way in 2023. Carl Gilbert from Arrowquip, a pleasure to meet you. Have a happy new year. Many thanks. You too. There was no sale at Louth Livestock Market last week, being Boxing Day, but there was the week before. How did it go? Auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday the 19th of December. Starting with the prime cattle, which saw steers top for JC Scolia Bournebrook, 238 pence per kilo. Grows fourteen hundred and twenty-five pounds, while the heifers top for John Thirlby of Kexby at two hundred and thirty-eight pence per kilo, or twelve hundred and eleven pounds. Moving on to the cool cows, and these top with a trio from Messrs Crust of Holton Holgate at two hundred and eighteen pence per kilo, grossing seventeen hundred and forty pounds, which would be a market record. Moving on to the lambs, which saw a very similar number to the previous year, the week before Christmas. However, slightly. Uh, uh, down on uh, averages this week with one or two uh, looking to quiet enough leading up to Christmas with an all-in average of 226.58 pence per kilo. Must be said, out of all of the lambs on offer this week, 70% of those were out of spec and over the 48 kilo barrier. Top goes to Scribblesby Farms Limited at £125 and Mortifoil at £124, while a pence per kilo is topped by Ben and Pippa Williams at 282 pence per kilo. Moving on to the cool use and another strong trade putting us once again among the top prices uh, across the country with an all-in average of £106.14. These top for Scrivelsby Farms Limited with Continentals to £173. Mules topped at £129 uh, with more to follow at £120. Finally, just a handful of store lambs, all in average £66.20 to top for JW Bullivant at £77 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that has been and supported, not only this week, but for the last 52. Prime and cool cattle and prime and cool sheep are required for tomorrow's market, so please don't hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. And how have the grain markets performed in 2022? Two for the price of one from Openfield this week. Good morning, Kit Dickinson, and first, Alice Killam. Good morning, Steve. Kit and I thought that this week's piece could be a quick overview of 2022 and looking ahead to 2023. 
Starting with wheat in January, Lincolnshire May 22 wheat was 200 to 210 pounds a ton. At the end of December, May 23 wheat was 227 to 237. To put this into context, the spread between these two dates, dependent on location, saw heights of 320. There are many factors that have affected this change. To name a few, the Ukrainian war, flooding in Australia, drought in South America, politics and currency, and more recently, bird flu. Moving on to barley, at the start of harvest, we saw prices reaching £340 a tonne for malting spake barley. However, the UK has seen a 1.4 million metric tonne surplus of malting barley and a good crop of feed barley, which has significantly reduced the feed-based price. And as it stands, premiums are currently holding, but this could be short-lived if we see the consumer fulfil their requirement in the new year. The rapeseed market remains volatile, with so many factors influencing the general veg oil markets. Rapeseed prices have lost ground largely due to the sharp rebound in production for 2022-23. The increase in production of rapeseed means that unlike last year, when supplies were very tight, wider market factors will have a big influence on prices. Additionally, recession fears, currency and crude oil have all been adding to the unpredictability of rapeseed. So looking forward to next year, for the UK specifically, large wheat availability may mean we need to be priced more competitively against global markets. A further interest rate rise was confirmed in December to take the base rate to 3.5%. Interest earned on money in the bank as well as loans will be something to consider when deciding whether to store or whether to sell. There is still potential in the new year, with plenty of grain still on farm. Consumers have good cover short term but have plenty to buy before the end of the season. With the ongoing crisis in Ukraine, there is still a chance of an upward spike in the markets. Prices for this week, wheat, February 235 to 245, May 237 to 247, November 220 to 230, barley, February 212 to 222, May 219 to 229, November 185 to 195, and finally, all seed weight, 470 to 480. Thank you very much for listening throughout the year. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and have a very Happy New Year. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Mostly dry start to the new year. Winds from the southwest today getting blustery at times. Highs of 9 Celsius. Calmer and cooler tomorrow. Still mostly dry with a high of 7. Rain's expected by Tuesday. Some of it heavy with a strong southerly and highs staying around 7. A few degrees warmer for the middle of the week and more rain on the way. Again, the winds, mostly southwesterly, gusting up to 40 miles per hour. Drier but much colder by the end of the week. Next week, we look ahead to Lama and hear about new tech helping with the drying. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, a very happy new year and have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.